Today we're going to be in Acts chapter 16. If you have a Bible, let's open up there. And let me pray with you. Father, I thank you for your love and your grace. I thank you for, Lord, just bringing us together today. Lord, I pray that you would just wash away my sins, anything that would hinder the work that you want to do today. Lord, I thank you for the people that you love so much, created in your image, Lord, created to be with you in heaven, Lord, asking that you would work and open their hearts so that, Lord, if there are any here today who are not saved, that today would be the day of salvation, that if there are any here today who are struggling as a Christian, that today you would infuse them with strength, you would baptize them with the Holy Spirit, Lord. Praying for those who are hurting, uh, anything going on, Lord, in their hearts and their bodies, lifting up Mr. Salcedo to you, Father, asking that you continue to minister in him and through him, thanking you for the work you've done. So amazing, lifting up the whole family, lifting up uh, Rachel, Lord, my sister Gloria's sister, and as she battles cancer, and so many others, Lord, just asking that you be with them, give them peace. If it's your will, heal them. Do a great work, Lord, uh, we pray. And even today, as we study your word, we ask that you'd open our eyes that we might see wondrous things from your law. We ask this together, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So Acts chapter 16, normally I don't give titles to a study, but today I would say this. Uh, it's about provision for the Great Commission. Um, today in Acts 16, originally I was intending to go through the whole chapter because I, I think it's more or less divided up into two sections. Number one, going, and then number two, planting. You know, we're all missionaries. Uh, I don't know where your mission field is. Uh, some of you here, you don't even live in Almani, but you come here to this church in Almani. In one sense, you're a missionary to Almani. God's using you. We're trying to reach the community. We also go out to Cambodia. In one sense, you're missionaries to Cambodia or wherever we end up ministering. You know, and then some will specifically be called out. But I will tell you this, that we all have to be going. And we're going to see that in our text. Next week, Lord willing, we're going to see planting. How they planted a church in Philippi. And how, you know, we establish works. And how God uses us as a church, you know, to reach communities. And so... And I wanted to kind of go through the whole chapter, but there's so much that, uh, that's important that I can't gloss over it. And so today we'll be covering verses 1 through 10. We're going to talk about going, and we're going to mention three things that we see in our text. Number one, God's people. God's people, how precious you are, and how God uses all of you in, in different places to different degrees. Uh, today we're going to see a guy named Silas and Timothy and Luke. When it comes to God's provision for God's commission, he will provide people, people, man, that have a heart for him. Number two is God's power. And we're going to see that by the teaching of the word of God, the spirit of God will use the teaching of the word of God, the gospel, which has power to strengthen the church, and they'll increase. And so we see the provision for the great commission, God's people, God's power. And then thirdly is God's path. Because you got to know where, where to go, and, and, and God has his ways of directing us to where we belong. And we're going to see even today, it was through, through closed doors, you know, through hard times that God led Paul and the team 
to Europe, a place they may not have ever gone. But God, you know, he, he shows us his path. And so we'll see that in today's study. Uh, first of all, we read in verse 1 of Acts 16 about Paul. It's interesting. It's a team, but it singles out Paul because he's the leader. It says in verse 1, Then he came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. And so, you know, again, just encouraging you guys to know, in case you don't, man, the, the command for you and me and all of us as a church is to go. Remember Jesus said that in Matthew 28, 19, go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, right? And that was Paul's heart. He wanted to go and make disciples. He was not disobedient to the heavenly vision when God saved him so that he might serve him. And so he always had a heart to go, but you guys know that it can't be done alone, right? And so we read of God's provision for the Great Commission. Here we see God is kind of gathering together a team. We already know that Barnabas and Mark have left. Those are hard guys to replace, but God is faithful, and God provides Silas, who we're going to see later, sings in the prison, an amazing man, and now God provides Timothy. We're going to see Paul here. He's in the area of Derby and Lystra. Um, there were places they had preached the gospel about five years earlier. You can read that in their first missionary journey. Acts 14, 6 through 7. They had gone there. They had preached the gospel. And so as they're there in the, in the region, uh, there's a young man now named Timothy. We read in our text that he's a son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. And so that probably means that his dad wasn't a believer. And so we read in verse 2 that he was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra. And not just Lystra, also in Iconium. So apparently... The whole region knew about this young man who loved the Lord. So Paul apparently recognized the work of God in Timothy's life. And, you know, as a pastor and as a leader, you see that sometimes, the calling upon an individual's life. And so, you know, Paul wanted him to join the missions team. And, uh, and it's just so cool. We're going to see what God does with Timothy. You know, uh, um. Not to get off subject or anything, but recently I heard a, a message that LeBron James sent to another basketball player to urge him to join the Lakers. And he just said, he sent out a message. You know how they do on social media nowadays? He just sent a message out to the guy. He just said, I want you. That's all he said, I want you. And uh, it turns out that that's all it took, man. The guy joined the team, you know. And so pray for the Lakers this year. That. <laughs> <laughs> pray that they'll get saved, okay? So, um, but you know what? Sometimes that's all it takes. Sometimes that's all it, it, it takes. You know, where someone comes up and they just say, I, I, I want you, uh, I love you, I, I know God's got a calling on your life. And, you know, for Paul, uh, here with Timothy, that's what happened. Notice the error in verse 3. Paul wanted, he wanted to have him go on with him. You know, and praise God, Timothy answered the call, 
And once again, we see God's gracious provision for the Great Commission, you know. And, and that's so cool. We have the philosophy of ministry that where God guides, God provides. And that means not just money. This is something much more important than money. It's people. You know, people who love the Lord. People who have that calling, that anointing upon their life. You know, God will bring gifts. God will put together a team. And that's what we see going on here in the second missionary journey. Again, usually when we think of provision, we think of money, but this is so much more important. When God provides Christians who are called and guys and gals who are gifted. You know, Paul had lost some ministry-minded men, but now it's amazing, you know, because you think, well, Barnabas and Mark, man, how can you replace those guys? And, and it's not necessarily replacing them, uh, I don't know if we can ever do that. Everybody's different. But what we find, though, is God is doing a good work. I mean, when we read the Bible, I would call them a dream team. Because we're going to see Paul. We're going to see Silas. We're going to see Timothy. We're going to see Luke. He's going to join this team by the end of our text today. And, and, and I want you guys to know that, that, that in one sense, that can be you. You know, it's up to you. It's up to you what you want to do with your life. If there's a calling on your life, you're not forced into it. God gives you a free will. But if there is a calling, you know, first to become a Christian and then to serve him, you've got to make a choice. Thank God Timothy said yes. Paul said, I want you. What do you say? And Timothy answered the call. History tells us that these brothers would prove to be faithful to the Lord and to Paul to the end. You know, and, and again, you guys, as a pastor, I thank God for each one of you. You know, the way he has blessed our church with you and all the love and the gifts and the support that you bring to the team, right? And that's true for all of our lives. You know, the people he brings into our lives, you know, the, the, the husband, the wife, uh, the children, the friends, the neighbors, just people that he brings into your life. Man, we're so grateful for them. And so God's provision for the Great Commission begins, first of all, with these people, these beautiful people. And, and there's a calling. And so the question is, will you answer the call? Thank God Timothy did. Even though it's not easy, it's never easy. You know, because Paul said, okay, your, your dad was Greek, your mom is Jewish. That actually makes you Jewish. Timothy, I want you to be able to minister to the Jews, but they will not let you speak in the synagogue unless you're circumcised. Now, I know it sounds crazy. I know it sounds crazy, but they would check to see if he was circumcised because his dad was Greek. Everybody knew it, and if he wasn't circumcised, he wouldn't have that opportunity for ministry. And so, you know, it's kind of a, a, a little, uh, you know, interesting, you know, like, okay, you want to, you want to join our team? We want you to serve the Lord. Okay, bro, you got to get circumcised. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of people will say, well, that, no, sorry, man. <laughs> I'm just going to stay here and minister in my hometown, you know, and, and, and man, what an opportunity Timothy would have missed to change the world. Because he didn't want to cut away the flesh. But we all have to make that choice. Thank God that he did, you know. 
Again, we might wonder, well, why did Timothy have to be circumcised? And, you know, we talked about this in the context here. It's interesting, not about salvation, but about consideration. And if he was ever to minister, then he had to become all things to all men. You know, Paul had that philosophy of ministry, and it's something that we all need. He wrote in 1 Corinthians 9.19, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all. Why? That I might win the more. He said in 1 Corinthians 9.22, To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And so, you know, this is just him using wisdom to make sure that Timothy was usable to the fullest extent. I like what one guy said. He said this, He circumcised Timothy as a Jew, not as a Gentile, and that he did as a voluntary act of expediency for the purpose of making Timothy more useful among the Jews who had a claim on him as the son of a Jewish mother and would not have allowed him to teach in a synagogue without this token of membership. Paul was inflexible in resisting the demands of false brethren, but always willing to accommodate himself to weak brethren. And to the Jew, he became as a Jew, and as a Gentile, to the Gentiles, in order to save them both. And so he circumcises Timothy so that he might win him, uh, others to the Lord, that he might serve and others be, be saved. And, and just, you know, you guys know, a lot of you guys know, you've read your Bible. The, a lot of, you don't get a lot of Timothys in your life. You don't. I mean, Timothy was a man that Paul, that God brought into his life as a gift, as the one he would pass the baton on to. You know, he would be the one to succeed Paul. You know, Paul would see him as a son in the faith. You know, and those guys are very rare. You know, these guys are very rare that God brings into your life, that, that, that they love the Lord and they, and they love you as a leader. You know, one of the things I've seen over time is sometimes people can start off as a Timothy, but they don't stay as a Timothy. Because eventually, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's pride or... Or what, but it's like, yeah, you're the pastor, but, you know, I think that my duty is kind of to disagree with you. Uh, I think my duty in one sense, and, and it eventually moves from disagreement to disrespect. And it's okay, you know, because there's a mentality that says, you know, you, got, you don't want yes men around you. And it's true, you don't want yes men around you. And then, but some will take that and they'll run with it. And, and it's like, Timothy, we're going to see was so like-minded with Paul. There was a special relationship that they had that he wouldn't, I don't think, disagree. He wouldn't necessarily disrespect him. I mean, he saw him as a father. And very rarely do you have a Timothy in your life. But Paul was blessed with him. And we're going to see what a great work that God did in 1 Corinthians 4, 17, he said, For this reason I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways. And he said the same thing in 1 Timothy chapter 1, in verse 12. And so we see, first of all, God providing uh, his people. And then secondly, God's power in this provision for the Great Commission. Look at verse 4. And here in Acts 16, and as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. 
So the churches were strengthened. There it is. Power. They were strengthened in the faith. And what ended up happening? It says right there, and they increased in number daily. You know, and so they're going to the cities. If you remember back in Acts 15, they had issued the decree. They wrote the letter from the church in Jerusalem, basically saying to all the churches that salvation was not by works, but by grace through faith. And so that was settled. And so these guys went out. They shared the good news. They delivered the decree. And we read it in verse 5 as a result of that, that they were strengthened. We also read last week, if you jump up, look at Acts 15, if you would, in verse 32. It says, Now Judas and Silas themselves, being prophets, also exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. And what are you seeing here? You're seeing the preaching and you're seeing the teaching, something we also read about earlier, and as a result of that, they were stronger. Sometimes I wish that I could look into like a mirror and see how buff I am (laughs) spiritually, you know. You know, like how strong am I? And and again, it's not our strength, right? It's not our strength, it's his strength, right? And we learn that, you know, there's strength and there's power. There's power in the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation. And there's power in that. And then you're teaching the word. Judas and Silas, they're the prophets. They're teaching, they're, they're telling God's word, and people are getting stronger. And that's what we want, and that's what we need. The Holy Spirit will take the, the Holy Bible. The Spirit of God will take the word of God and make us stronger. You know, question, and again, you know, you have to ask yourself, you know, how, how, how strong are you in one sense? Are you walking God's strength? You know, when I used to work out, I mean, how much can you bench press? You know, 225, man. <laughs> Back in the day, I'm serious. <laughs> and, um, you know, now, 95. You know? I'm just joking. <laughs> You know, I mean, it's just, it's just a matter of where are you, you know, and it's just so beautiful to see people. They get hit hard, they get hit hard, but they're okay, you know, they're just, you know, I'm not saying that they're weird or anything, but they're just able to walk in consistent fellowship with God. They're not getting knocked out. They're not, you know, uh, I don't know, they're strong in the Lord, and, and that's why I'm so grateful that you guys continue to come, because, you know, that's what you're getting here. You're not getting, you're getting the Word of God, you know, and there's a lot of churches, they don't teach the Word of God anymore. You know, they don't open up the Bible and go line upon line, precept upon precept, word upon word, you know, and and we're doing our best to try to teach you the word of God because we know that at the end of the day, the other stuff is fluff. This will strengthen you. And that's what we need. You know, when it comes to God's provision for God's commission, we need God's people. We need God's power. And of course, when people are strengthened, when they're spiritually strong, then more and more people will be saved. And that's what we read there in verse 5. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. You know, one of the things that we learned at Calvary Chapel from the very beginning is healthy sheep beget sheep. You know, sometimes they think, well, it's the pastor's job and he's got to be the evangelist. And, you know, prayerfully, God will, you know, give us that that gift. Uh, uh, But... At the end of the day, you know, if there's no non-believers in the congregation because the sheep aren't inviting people, then um, it's not, it's not going to happen. I mean, you know, so when you're healthy, when you're a healthy Christian, when you're a strong Christian, 
you have a heart for the lost. You have a heart for your neighbors. You have a heart for your family. You're always inviting people to church service. You're always inviting people to these events. But when you're not healthy, when you're anemic, when maybe it's just all about you and, and stuff, then you don't. You know, and so what ends up happening is when we get strong um, and they're preaching and they're teaching, you know, more and more people are getting saved. And we do see people getting saved. I thank God for that. But, you know, we want there to be, you know, not just God adding to the church, but maybe even God multiplying the disciples. We see that in the book of Acts. But all that is in the power of the word and the power of the gospel, right? And so this is how we do missions. This is how we do the Great Commission, God's provision, God's people, God's power. And then thirdly, and so importantly, is God's path. Look at verse 6. It says, Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. And if you're not being led by the Lord, then you're lost. If you're not discovering God's path for your life, then you're, you're missing the purpose. You're not where you belong. And that's why it's so important to make sure that you're led by the Spirit of God. You know, I think we have a map uh, of this journey. If not, you guys have one, I'm sure, in the back of your, your Bibles but you'll notice that when Paul left uh, Antioch of Syria, uh, he went north and then he went west and he's ministering to these churches there in Cilicia and then Galatia. He goes to, to Derby and Lystra, Iconium. And then you'll notice on the map that um, you'll see Asia down there. He tries to go south and it says that the spirit did not permit him. So then, you know, Phrygia, which is north, um, he tries to go north, and the Spirit did not permit him. So what's God doing? God is closing doors, right? Uh, the Holy Spirit said no. And uh, I don't know how he said no. Uh, some people believe, you know, that it was just uh, Paul. You know, they're about to make the move, and, and some say that he got sick. And so that kind of canceled that. We don't know for sure. Um, and I think that the, the Lord doesn't tell us because it doesn't matter sometimes God just closes doors those opportunities are no longer opportunities right and, and I just want to just remind you that there will be those times God closes doors but but when you're there and when things are tough don't be discouraged remember it happened to the great Paul the apostle right I mean, what you got to do is just keep going. And that's what they did. You'll notice on the, on the map, they tried to go south, no, north, no, and they just kept going. They were abiding in the calling that they were in. And as a result of that, God did a work. They kept following Jesus, traveling through the doors that he did open for them. And, and I just pray that you guys would know that he is the one who opens and closes those doors. And a lot of times this is how he guides us, you know, through saying no, 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 
Okay, this is one that's a good one, you know. Revelation chapter 3, verse 7, it says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. And so, you know, the way that I've always approached it is it's okay to knock on those doors. You're like, hey, I would like to minister there or do that, but don't bust them down. You knock on those doors and you ask God to open the door. And when he does, take advantage of those ministry opportunities. That's what Paul did. As a matter of fact, there's an interesting passage in 1 Corinthians 16, 8 and 9. Paul said, I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost. For a great and effective door has opened to me. And there are many adversaries. Now that's interesting because when you look at the map, when they tried to go south into Asia, that was Ephesus. God said, no. God said, not now. Two, three years later, they'd be in Ephesus. But it wasn't time yet. And that, to me, is a way that the Lord works, huh? I believe that if you love the Lord, and if you're walking in the Spirit, and you're in the Word, and you're in fellowship, and not perfect, but you have a heart to follow, then he will close doors and he will open doors. And you may have something or someone that's really, really heavy on your heart. And, and you know, you, God might say, well, not now. Listen, don't be discouraged by that because that door will fling open maybe a little later. And we'll see in the third missionary journey that Paul uh, ended up not just going to Ephesus, but he ministered there for three years. And so this is how God leads us, right? It was just a matter of timing. So don't be discouraged by those closed doors, right? Because he'll open others. So I was reading a story. John Corson was talking about how when he was a freshman in high school, he wanted to be a distance runner like his big brother, uh, Dave. The only problem was, he said, uh, Dave was lean and lanky, and I was husky and buff and stocky. He didn't say buff. I'm just saying that. <laughs> he said, but with only five other guys trying out for six spots, he said, I earned a place on the distance team and find myself participating every day after school in what were to be grueling workouts. Every day after practice, I hit the locker room sicker than a dog until the week before my first meet when I landed in the hospital with double pneumonia. So Tom McKee, his youth pastor, came in and prayed for him, and uh, he was confident, I'm going to be healed in time for the first meet. But it didn't happen quite that way. As a matter of fact, his lungs got worse, and the doctor told John Corson, who wanted to be this distance runner, he said, John, you're not running this week, next week, or, or even for the next couple of years. Your lungs are scarred. And so he said, when I finally was well enough to go back to school, I, wonder, I wandered rather uh, about the place, the track and the upper field. He said, and when I was there, I noticed the distance throwers, they tossed frisbee-like objects into the air. He said, they wore sunglasses, they listened to the radio, they laughed and joked with each other between throws. He said, and suddenly it dawned on me that this was the sport for me. <laughs> and so, you know, he said in his sophomore year, he set the league record in discus and distance 
And by the time he said I threw for the last time, I had set some records in the state of California and earned a scholarship and traveled across the country and even to Africa, all by throwing a Frisbee in the air. <laughs> and, and, and he said, I'm so thankful I, I got pneumonia. I'm so thankful that God closed those doors because I would have been a very poor runner, hating every step. The Lord had another plan for me, but he made it clear only after he was knocked flat on his back. And sometimes that's what happens, huh? You know, praise God, you know, that he guides our path. You know, I'm blessed that God actually is intimately involved in our life. You know, I, I believe that with all my heart to where he guides us personally. You know, you guys know that proverb, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. You know, the word acknowledge in the Hebrew is the word yada. And it's the same word used in Genesis chapter 4, verse 10, that talks about Adam and Eve being intimate. How Adam knew his wife. So you're, you're trusting in the Lord with all your heart. You're not leaning to your own understanding. In all your ways, what are you doing? You're acknowledging him. In all your ways, you're intimate with the Lord. And you're knowing the Lord. You're drawing near to the Lord. That's how you live your life. Not just when you're about to make a decision, all the time, all the time. You know, you walk with him, you fellowship with him, you're intimate with him, you have a personal relationship with him. And I tell you what, man, he guides you in life. And that's what we see. It's so important for us to know. When last Thursday, we went over that passage in Psalm 32, verse 8, uh, where God says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. You know, and we can't see the future. God can. We can't see the things that we need to see. We need his eyes to guide us and instruct us. You know, I, I think of the children of Israel when they were in the wilderness, you know, and God had to lead them all those years. And he did it in such a wonderful way, a gracious way. Nehemiah 9 verse 12 Moreover, you led them by day with a cloudy pillar and by night with a pillar of fire to give them light on the road which they should travel. You know, so in the heat of the day, thank God, at least there was a cloud and it, and it covered them, right? But it led them as well. And then in the, in the coolness of the night, thank God for the, the fire to warm them, but at the same time to lead them. Listen, your way is not hidden from the Lord. He wants to lead you intimately, personally, because he has a purpose for you. He has a path. Question is, as he calls you, will you answer that call or will you live your own life? We all have to make that choice. My prayer is that we would be like Timothy, willing to get circumcised and cut away the flesh, that we might follow the Lord and see the great things that God has for all of us. But we must follow. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. Let him guide you. You know, you just have to make sure it, it's him. Is it biblical? And then let it be, you know, personal, not, not mystical. I remember a long time ago, I don't know how long we were Christians, um, you know, a, a friend of mine wanted me to go to Chicago and, and he was going to start a church in Chicago. And so... 
I thought about it. I thought, okay, Lord, if you want me to go to Chicago, I'll go to Chicago. You know, even though it's cold and, and, and man, I'm serious. We ended up going and it, it was freezing. The wind is insane. It's insane. I don't know why people live there, but... But anyways, I was willing to go, and then, you know, but my wife, she didn't want to go. She didn't want to go. And so, you know, when I started telling her, I said, look, sweetheart, God wants us to go. It's even in the very name of the city, Chica, go. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. I told her that, man. Chica, go. Chica, go. You know, it's the Lord, man. <laughs> you know, so... Anyways, I ended up going, and I was there, and then the Lord just confirmed what she had been saying. The Lord said, no, no, you, you know, it's just the Lord showed me in different ways. Be careful that you're not mystical. Chica, go. Be careful with stuff like that. I knew one guy, it was kind of funny, he, he, he got a map, and he went like this, Lord, I'm going wherever you want me to go. And he put his finger on the map, and he said, okay, I'm going to missionary there. Now he's not walking with the Lord. That's not how we do it. We have a relationship with God, and he will lead us and guide us. You know, in this case, we see in verse 10 that God spoke to them through a vision. He spoke clearly. There was a need there, and there was the calling as well. And, you know, just to let you know, this had to be the Lord because this whole missions trip would require uh, financial provision as well. The the whole thing would take three years. It would cover about 3,000 miles. And in today's uh, money, it would be about $45,000 per person. And so, you know, this had to be the Lord. And, And sure enough, of course, we know it was. It's here that Luke joined the team. Notice there in verse 10. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia. Up to this point, if you notice in verse 4, it says, and as they went through the cities, they delivered to them. Look at verse 6, now when they had gone through Phrygia. Verse 7, after they had come to Mysia. Up to that point, it's always they, they, they. Now it's we. And we know Luke wrote this this book of Acts. And so now we see, again, God providing people, and he joins the team from this point forward. You know, God knew what Paul needed. How many of you here think that Paul was so messed up that he needed a personal doctor? Probably, huh? You know, even I, and we're blessed. We have nurses and, and Dr. Ray, and I, I wasn't going to tell you his name. Um, <laughs> the reason being, I was thinking right here, I put it in my notes, uh, um, that uh, God has provided us with doctor and nurses. I would tell you who they are, but I don't want to share them with you. So it's too late, huh? (laughs) But what I do want to share with you guys in closing today is another physician. His name is Jesus. And he loves you. He's calling you. And if you're here today and, and and you're doing okay as a Christian, praise God for the grace in his life. You know, praise God. But if you're here today and you're struggling, And you know who you are. It's okay. We all struggle at times. We have our valleys. We have our mountaintops. Today, I pray that you'd be open for God to strengthen you. And if you're here today and you don't know Christ, I just just pray that you would know that, that he loves you. He made you in his image. But we've all sinned. 
And sin separates us from God. And we fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. And if we die in our sins, we'll perish. But God doesn't want us to die and go to hell. God sent his son to die on a cross for us. And he paid the penalty that we deserved. He suffered for your sins. And today, the Bible says that if you would believe in him, today would be the day that you can be saved and you can receive Christ. That's the great physician. The, the worst disease of all is not cancer. It's not these things that we read about today. The worst disease of all is sin and death. But Jesus can heal you of that. Will you make that choice to follow him?